Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. God is good to us. All the time when we we don't deserve oftentimes. God loves the humble heart. When we acknowledge our our need. He says, okay, I can do this. I will do this. When we acknowledge our sin, he says, I will, I will, I will remove them. I'll make you clean again. It's never too late to start with the Lord. Sometimes we may take a detour. Sometimes we take the long way around. Yeah. God doesn't forsake us to go after us, winning us back. We started a little bit of a series in 1 Peter last week. And, well, we learned a little bit in chapter 1 that there may be some trials. It says in chapter 1, verse 6, but he said, in this you greatly rejoice. Let me read that again. I'm just preluding a little bit, so just hang with me, guys. <laughs> In this you greatly rejoice. I'm, 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 I'm reviewing a bit. Some of you weren't here last week. I've got to bring you up to speed. This you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while. How many like a little while when you're in a trial? That's hope. If necessary. Now, oh, Lord, Lord, why? Why this? Why this now? Why? Why? We wonder. You have been distressed. Wasn't last year a stress, stress? So many people have been stressed. So many people are still in stress. Life has a way... Because we're in this life, we will have trouble. I don't have to look for it. Amen? You, you, don't, you don't want to look for trouble. Trouble comes. But he's proving us. He's refining us. He's testing us. The heat is coming up. And he's finding out what's in our hearts. And he wants us to be more pure. By the time we get into the verses further in, in the chapter, he's, he's talking about, gird your minds for action. Gird your minds. The mindset is huge, isn't it? Mindset. What you're going to get done in one day has to do with what you set your mind to do. Oftentimes you can reach... Further than maybe you had, you had even planned. He goes on to say, Be obedient, children, verse 14. Don't be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. Before we knew Jesus, we were ignorant. Before we come to Christ, we were just like everyone else. We, weren't, we would do anything 
whatever seemed good in our own sight. But Jesus comes into our heart. He changes our, our priorities. Changes those things that we ought to hold to. And he says, be holy. Be holy yourself. Be holy. How are we going to be holy? Except that we might know him. Because when we get to know him, his holiness, he, he becomes our holiness. He becomes your righteousness. You are righteous in him. You and I can never be good enough in ourselves. You and I are never going to be ever good enough because we are sinners. But Jesus came to seek people like you and I to give his life a ransom. Because his first chapter dealt with mentioning the precious blood of Jesus. We have been redeemed not with gold or silver, not with the riches of this world, but something that surpasses further, further than we could ever imagine, the blood of Jesus, verse 19. The precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. We are made righteous. We are raised up. And now we get to the second chapter. Now we can start to look at some of these new verses. By the way, moms, today, blessings on you. Blessings on grandmas. If you've had a, a mom who was a blessing in your life and helped you to know the Lord, you were truly blessed. Amen. If you had a grandma in your life who helped you to know who God is, you're truly blessed. Some have not been as fortunate. And my heart goes out to you. Well, I had a mom who prayed for all her kids and all her grandkids. And on and on it went. I'm blessed because... I believe that God hears the prayers of moms, and faith that moms have can carry people through and help people get through dangerous seasons of life, situations. I know when my brother who was here today was in Vietnam, I know there was much prayer that was going on in the closet as well as in the church. He's, he, he made it through. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for many people to give testimony. By the grace of God, I'm able to go forward and move and have my being. Well, let's continue on. First, uh, Peter, I learned this is, this is Anna's favorite book of the Bible. I didn't know this. But she said this yesterday to me. Well, Chapter 2, verse 1 says, therefore. Whenever you read therefore in the Bible, you almost like got to back up because, you, what, what, okay, see, because of. All right? In the previous verses that followed up, that followed to chapter 2, was dealing with temporal life, the temporalness of this life. In actuality, all flesh is like grass. 
He's quoting from the book of Isaiah. And all of the, it's glory like the flower of grass. Interesting enough, we have flowers, but you know that these flowers are, are waning. They're going to tip over, so you've got to get these out of here today, and they've got to go home with them. Women, ladies, girls, everyone, welcome. And he goes on, don't allow malice. Therefore, putting aside all malice, guile. Those are deep words. Those are like, what is malice? No, it's not something you put on your bread and toast. Malice has to do with the condition of the heart. Take the word malicious. It has to do with getting envy. It has to do with getting back at someone. Guile has to do with not good. It's, it's almost like a disease. It's, it's bitterness. Guile. He said, put it all aside. Hypocrisy. Saying one thing and doing another. Church, we are called to be first. To be his children. To be in right relationship. And then he gives the answer. In other words, and rather than being filled up with malice and guile, be like a newborn babe. It longs for the pure milk of the word. Now, all four of our kids were born, and every one of them had an appetite. Right? That's a good thing. I hear things. I don't know what they are, but that's okay. We'll make it. There is, uh, the doctors are always relieved. Moms are always relieved when the baby is hungry. Wants to take in. Is that my hearing aids going off? Or? Ooh. Okay. That's okay. We'll find it. We'll get there. Babies like to get up in the middle of the night. Right? Doesn't matter about how tired you are. God doesn't get concerned about you getting up in the middle of the night. If you want to call him on the middle of the night, he's there, he's waiting for you. Amen. We don't have to call ahead of time. We don't have to put in some kind of an appointment, get a reservation. That's an open line. You have open access. You see, when the church is hungry, for the word, that's a good thing. When our appetites want more of God's word, we begin to grow. And the more of God's word we get, the more we want to get. Now, I've had a few, uh, few items of food that I've never developed a taste for. Let me just mention a couple Peppers, don't like them. Never will. Probably never will. Onions I tolerate a bit. 
but not much. Don't give me mushrooms. I'm a plain Jane guy. But there are some things in the Word that we have to work at so we can get it down in our soul. There are some parts of the Word, well, that's really simple. The John 3.16, you all know that one by heart, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, right? But when I read the book of Hebrews, I got, oh my goodness, okay, he's dealing with some Old Testament stuff. Who in the world is Melchizedek? Say again? You've heard that name? Melchizedek. Well, you've got to read about him in the Old Testament. And the writer of Hebrews described Melchizedek as a person. This is not in my notes, so guys, don't, don't worry. Melchizedek was a priest, but he didn't have record of genealogy. And so in Scripture, you, I'm getting from Melchizedek, I'm kind of trying to go over toward maybe a little stake here. Melchizedek didn't have record. He was a priest. Therefore, he became a type, a foreshadow of Christ. And see, in the Old Testament, all throughout there's hints, there's windows, there's shadows of the forecoming of Christ. The first time he And you can read it and you could think, well, that don't really make sense. But God, the Word is alive. It's living and active. And babes need the milk. And Paul said, there comes a time when you need to grow and become a man and become mature in the things of God. So wherever we're at, wherever we are at in this walk, in this life, in this faith, wherever you are at with God, it's never too late to learn something new and fresh and begin to get it in your heart and soul so that you are a better person. You you have more of Christ's character than you did, say, a year ago. Isn't that great? Just think about it. So we're making ground. Hebrews talks a little bit about, also warns about people who have kind of been couch potatoes when it comes to their faith. Let me explain this. And the writer of Hebrews says this, Hebrews 5.12, I think we got that one. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, let me just say something. If you've ever been asked to teach a Sunday school class or a Bible study, what does it help you with? It helps you to apply the Word. If anything, it gets you in the Word. By this time you ought to be teachers. You have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. That's a sad 
sad verse for the church. It should challenge us that I don't want to just stay on the milk of the word, but I want to press in. I want to know the things that are deep-rooted. Uh, and let me say this. We will never, never exhaust and know it all on this side. But we're challenged. We're challenged to keep growing, to keep pressing forward. Now we're going to get to some real fun stuff here in just a moment. Let me read a verse, and then we'll get to it. You have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Isn't the Lord kind? If you've tasted the Lord, you want more of the Lord. If you've tasted of his goodness, if you've tasted of his presence, you want more of his presence. And coming to him as to a living stone. He is a living stone. He is not a dead stone. He is a living stone. So I got to thinking. There you go. There's one stone. We're going to build a little wall. How many of you ever put rocks together in your garden or maybe you outlined a specific spot? It's always fun. You can look at every rock and they're all individual, right? They're individual. Have you ever found a rock that looked kind of really different and you thought, wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this rock? No? How about when you were a kid? We used to look for agates. Why we got excited if we found an agate. But I want to illustrate what the scripture is talking about for as far as we are concerned as a church, as a group of believers. I think I got about enough here. Jesus is mentioned as a living stone. But we are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices to Christ. Now he draws from Isaiah, verse 6, Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone. I selected this rock because it has a natural corner. Natural corner. And so let me just mention, to illustrate, if you were building a wall, you would probably want to find a stone. If you were to lay these with mortar, you would want to find a stone on the end to be squared. It'll give you a nice corner. Jesus is the cornerstone. And all the corners of our life, and he wants to be in every corner, of your heart. He wants to be in you and filling you. And then we, he's speaking to us to look to him. And when we take, if we were to take a string, say if this was a long wall, we would like to have a string. How many know your, wall, your rocks might go in and out, wander a bit? But with that string, that will help guide. And the cornerstone sets the pitch. God himself sets the standard in which we are to live. I am not going to get it right if I just make it up in my own thinking. I'm going to miss out on God's blessing if I try to just do it on my own. And then the other illustration here, along with these stones, is that you and I become brothers and sisters. We become supporters 
of one another. Sometimes we bump into each other. Sometimes we challenge each other with you know, what we believe. But all in all, the scripture says, do that which builds up the body. Do that which brings edification. So some stones are bigger than other stones. You know? But think of this concept. Every person is important. Have you ever noticed in a stone wall there'll be a small little rock tucked in beneath a huge rock? Just so happens that little rock is pretty important. Because if that little rock eroded and fell out of there, it wouldn't be long, that big rock coming down too. Because God needs people in every portion of his church. He needs people on the other side of the earth as well as he needs people on this side of the earth. He needs people that are willing to go to the far places. He needs people that are willing to stay and be the home people, to be the supporters, to be the ones who are winning their neighbors to Christ. Does that make sense? And this mortar that I mentioned needs to be mixed properly. I wish I had a wheelbarrow and a sack of sand and Portland. I'd really get messy. But that has to be mixed properly. Otherwise, what happens? Erosion. Deterioration. Just look at it this way. If we allowed bitterness, envy, and guile to be in our mortar, what would happen? We begin to, we would begin to decay. We would begin to, to, to destroy from the inside out. It's a good illustration, isn't it? Interesting. I found, I thought about this. Peter, Peter's name means rock, Petra, right? Have you ever heard of that, Petra? Peter's name means rock. And just so happened, Jesus asked Peter one day, who do you say I am? Do you remember what he said? Yeah, I think you Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Peter was right. And Jesus acknowledged that statement, that thou art the Christ. And Jesus said, upon this rock, upon the expression of, of your faith on Christ, I will build my church. Friends, we must keep Christ in our building. We must keep Christ in our heart. We must keep Christ centered. And we need Christ in our world. He made the world. It's his world. So Satan may have dominion, he has his day, but his day of doom is coming. 
and we are to stay true, to be stand firm. In fact, the word as we go on here talks about we are a chosen race. Now he's referring to believers, not just the Jews, not just the Israelites as chosen, as we know as a chosen people. But here is talking to the aliens, chapter 1, who are scattered about. He's talking to mostly Gentile people. I don't know about you, but that's a little deep. Chosen. He chose us. Well, how did he do that? Because he came to this earth. He gave his life. He rendered himself. In Ephesians 1, 4, it says, just as he chose us in him, chose us in him. God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless. God had a plan before he created the earth. Um, God, why did you make us if you knew we were going to fall? God had a plan. He gave us free will. He desires for us to want him. His desire is that you have a desire for him. He's put within us, he's created us to want him, to worship creator, him, God, the Father. Now, he goes on, deals with the world that they were going through. That these people were going through persecution. They were, they were seeing rioting. There, there, was, there was stuff going on in that day even like we've been seeing in our day, there was, there was chaos. And Peter is writing, when it comes to the government, he says a couple words about it. Number one, he says in verse 11, Beloved, I urge you as aliens, and aliens means we're not in our real home. This is just a passing place. Strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, lust, which wage war against us. Let me say that we know that Paul said in Ephesians that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against the spirit of principalities and darkness. And so he says, keep your behavior excellent. Keep your, your conduct excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may on account of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. What is the day of visitation, by the way? God's word speaks about a day that he will come back and judge. Judgment day. The day of visitation has to do with judging this world. Submit yourself for the Lord's sakes, chapter, uh, verse 13, submit yourself for the Lord's sakes to every human institute. I don't always agree with everything the government stands for, but I have a responsibility to pray for the government, and I have a responsibility to live 
according to God's word. Government will stand before God. Government rulers and leaders will give an account. I can make a judgment, but I don't I shouldn't judge them. You know the difference? Have you thought about we can make judgments, meaning we're gonna decide what's really right, what's really wrong by the help of the Lord. But I can never judge. God is going to judge. So we turn them over into the Lord's hands. The only thing that we can keep track of is our own heart. I don't want to become bitter. I don't want to let people begin to control me. You know what I'm saying? I have one illustration that I've been challenged with lately. It has to do with the workplace. Because these verses that follow the, the government verses deal with the workplace. And you can read them, but we, we may touch on them a bit. Point here is we're called to walk in humility. And so last fall I built a basement, a block basement. And so happens the, the contractor, the builder, must not have communicated to the homeowner. And 99% of our basements, if we build a walkout, we build it so that we can put wood frame on the, the walkout. And so I get a call from the homeowner wondering why we didn't put block on the, on the walkout. Well, I said 99% of basements up here, we just do it with wood. I, I didn't know that's what you wanted. Well, that's what I want, and I said, why do you want that? Well, it's because of what I had at home, and so forth, so, so on, whatever. But I had to make a decision. Am I going to become angry and say, I don't want anything to do with it? Or am I going to try to work with this man and try to win him? So guess what I'm doing Monday? You guessed it. I'm going to go back and we're going to fix it. We're going to start to fix it. Well, you say, Patrick, what? what, what? Well, this is between me and God. This is not just about the homeowner. This is a test for me. And, you know, trials will come. Misunderstandings happen. Miscommunication happens. Now, we got to deal with it. And, you know, in a couple weeks from now, we'll probably forget about the whole thing. Isn't that life? Oftentimes, we can't even remember why we were mad. But we want to stay, man. That's because of the flesh. The flesh. And this, guess what? Paul said, I've, I, I struggle too. Paul wrote in Romans, I struggle. But 
The spirit is waging war with the flesh. Flesh against the spirit. And that's exactly what's happening in our world. Battle that is going on. You and I have the good news. You and I have the choice to stay true. And I have one verse, one more verse, we'll wrap it up. Ethan, why don't you come up, get ready for your song. Look at verse 18, if you would. Servants, be submissive to your master. Now, these are different words. We're not, you've got to understand the culture at, this, at the time, this was going, they, they had, there were servants, there were people that would do the work. And it says, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. Unreasonable. Listen, people will be unreasonable. Why? Because they may not know Jesus yet. They need a light. They need someone that will show them they will love you. You will love them. You will stay. You will stay true. And so I leave you with this. Look at this next verse. For this finds favor, verse 19. If for the sake of conscience toward God a man bears up under sorrow and suffering. It's one thing to suffer for what you deserve. It's another thing to suffer what you don't deserve. That's what he's saying. And you just give it to the Lord. You give it to the Lord. And you give it to the Lord. And then you take it back. And then you give it back to the Lord. Right? It's a constant battle. But I'm convinced if we will stay connected with Christ and stay connected in the body of Christ, encouraging each other, we can, we can have victory. We can finish the course. We can lay the wall. We can get it done because God is coming and he will be final. Let's, let's, let's sing this song and then we're going to wrap it up in prayer.